Good afternoon, fellow directors, past presidents, members, and guests. Welcome to the 117th season of the Empire Club of Canada. My name is Antoinette Timilo. I'm the president of the Empire Club and your host for today's virtual event, Representation of People with Disability on Screen, a Work in Progress. But before we get started, I'd like to begin with an acknowledgement that the land we are broadcasting from is the traditional territory of the many nations, including the Mississaugas of the Credit, the Anishinaabek, the Chippewa, the Haudenosaunee, and the Wendat people, and is now home to many diverse First Nations, Inuit, and Métis peoples. We also acknowledge that Toronto is covered by Treaty 13 with the Mississaugas of the Credit, for those of you tuning in from regions across the country today, we encourage you to learn more about the traditional territory on which you work or live. I now wanna take a moment to recognize our sponsors who generously support the Empire Club and make these events possible. Thank you to our lead event sponsor, Humber College, and our seasoned sponsors, the Canadian Bankers Association, and Waste Connections of Canada. I also want to thank our event partner, BBC and LiveMeeting.ca for webcasting today's event. Now for a few logistical items. First, if you're finding your internet feed is slow, please see below and click the Switch Streams button. And don't hesitate to press the Request for Help button available to you if you're experiencing technical difficulties our team will be more than happy to assist. I also wanna remind everyone that this is an interactive event. So please take advantage of the question box to the right of your screen and send in your questions. We have reserved some time at the end for your questions to the panelists. It is now my pleasure to call this virtual meeting to order. I would like to introduce Sylvia Sweeney, Associate Dean of Film, Acting and Media Productions from Humber College to introduce today's topic and panelists. Sylvia Sweeney's career spans over 40 years of achievement in media production, journalism, arts, and sports. She is a recipient of the Order of Canada, awarded for her dedication to bringing cultural divides by giving voice to the voiceless as a driving theme of her stage and television productions. She's a member of the International Olympic Committee's Cultural and Olympic Heritage Commission and the founder of the International Arts Games Committee. Over to you, Sylvia. Hello everyone and welcome. Uh, it's a pleasure for Humber to sponsor this event and the reason it's so important is that when we talk about media in the arts, there are many types of underrepresentation. And today our conversation will be focused on the representation of people with disabilities in media and the arts. For quite a few years, I was personally involved with the Paralympic Committee to provide a platform for artists who were otherly abled. We paired able-bodied artists like Dee Dee Bridgewater, Sheila E. and uh, Oliver Jones, alongside artists with physical uh, disabilities like uh, Justin Hines, who was paraplegic. And we traveled to China with these, these artists during the 2008 Beijing Olympic and Paralympic Games. 
And the inequities shook our able-bodied artists because they were forced to walk together as a troop and experience the barriers these artists faced to even getting up on a sidewalk, much less a stage. So this example illustrates why it's so important to be inclusive. That is the vision for Humber's new cultural hub, which will be a destination for arts and culture at the Lakeshore campus as an all-inclusive, accessible environment. Our spaces include the performing venues, uh, which will incorporate the latest facilities and accessibility design standards, which recognize diverse characteristics. This will include mobility, vision, hearing, strength, stamina, and cognitive abilities to ensure the infrastructure is universally accessible. Wheelchair access will be designed into the performance stages to accommodate artists and audience members. And by design, the cultural hub will celebrate and support a sense of community where everyone is welcome and included. To say we've come a long way in the arts towards including and representing people living with various challenges and allowing those challenges to be in full view is far from the truth. But that's why today's conversation is so important. I'm pleased to now introduce our panel joining us uh, to dis discuss the need to address the creative arts and its lack of inclusion of people living with disabilities. I begin by introducing Adam Agoyan. With 18 films under his belt, Adam has won numerous awards, including five prizes at the Cannes Film Festival and two Academy Award nominations. His acclaimed theater and opera productions have been performed at venues around the world. Um, Adam's art installations have been presented at the Venice Biennale and other institutions, including the Tate Collection. His latest film, Guest of Honor, stars David Thewlis, premiering at the Venice Film Festival, where it was nominated for the Golden Lion. Another talent on our panel is George Alivesos. He is a 23-year-old actor, equity professional actor living in Toronto, Canada, being the first graduate in a wheelchair to ever graduate from any professional training program in the country. He graduated from the joint U of T Sheridan Theatre and Drama Studies program in 2019. And since then, he's been hard at work on many commercial projects. He's joined by Christine Hill, a champion of disability inclusion. She has taken the Dear Everybody movement launched by Holland Blorfview Kids Rehabilitation Hospital to the new heights and is determined to see the 22% of Canadians who have disabilities represented on screen and in print. And finally, we will hear from the next generation of filmmakers through Arshal Egoyan. He is based in Toronto, having wrapped his first short film, Absence. He is currently in pre-production on his first feature-length movie. In addition to his film work, he has written an original series pilot and aspires to write for television. Arshal is part of a new generation of filmmakers who have the ability to impact the way we tell our stories in a more inclusive manner. So we look forward to hearing from them. And finally, our moderator for the discussion is Tenny Negosian. She's a member of the Empire Club Board of Directors and she enjoys a successful high profile career in the charitable sector as a fundraising and strategic consultant with more than 30 years experience in the not-for-profit performing arts and cultural communities. Currently, Tenny is providing strategic counsel to the Toronto Botanical Garden 
for their proposed multi-million dollar expansion project campaign. And during her career, Tenney has raised millions of dollars for organizations, including Stratford Festival, Canadian Stage, Luminato Festival, Jazz FM 91, the National Ballet, the Toronto Symphony, and the Canadian Opera Company, where she played a leadership role in the campaign to raise $150 million to build the Four Seasons Centre for the Performing Arts. So I have great pleasure to now pass this along to you, Tenny. And thank you all for joining us. Thank you so much, Sylvia, for your very warm introduction. And of course, for Humber College's sponsorship of this event covering a very critical topic. Um, it's also extremely encouraging to hear of Humber's plans for your future cultural hub. I am sure the panel agrees with me that the way forward is a bright one with organizations such as yours leading the way. Thank you for that. It's a pleasure and an honor to be here with such a distinguished panel, including my longtime friends, Adam and Arshil Egoyan, and new friends, Christine Hill and George Alavizos. When I first approached Adam to ask if he would participate in a conversation on the Empire Club stage, the subject we were going to focus on was how cinema and the arts will survive the current COVID-19 crisis. And while that is an important and daunting question, it was not long in our discussions when we came to understand that the nature of this transitional time was genuinely revolutionary and seismic on so many fronts. The global pandemic coupled with events all around the world have brought awareness of the injustices and inequities experienced by historically marginalized groups. And this time of extraordinary change in our society is making us rethink and re-examine the fundamental question of how we represent the totality of the human race. Through these events, we have become aware of the various questions of diversity and inclusivity, particularly in the arts. And with our panel today, we want to have that essential discussion specifically around authentic representation in media and film of people with disabilities, a segment which in Canada consists of over 20% of our population. Given this number is so significant, why do we not see people with disabilities equally and authentically represented on the screen? Now, to help answer this question and to follow the arc of diversity and inclusivity in the arts in Canada, let me bring Adam into this discussion. Adam, welcome. Hi. Diversity and inclusivity have been themes that have interested you in your past works, Adam. Can you tell us what those terms meant to you earlier in your career and how those concepts have evolved? Um, I, I'm an immigrant to Canada. I, I came at a young age. Uh, my family uh, was born in Egypt, uh, Armenian. We moved to the West Coast. And I was raised in Victoria, BC, uh, where we were really 
uh, unlike anyone else around. Uh, Tenny, I, I know that uh, you're Armenian as well. Uh, I think your upbringing in Ontario would have been very different to mine. Uh, there was no Armenian church, there was no community centre, um, and there was this tremendous desire to assimilate, to be like everyone else. Um, and in so doing, I think there were a lot of issues of identity that began to filter back. And uh, certainly when I came to Toronto and began to make films, uh, those were the subjects of those early films. It, throughout the 80s, I was making films that dealt with what was then referred to as a, as a multicultural context. You know, we, we begin to look at that term uh, differently now, uh, because I think uh, in the 80s, when I started making films, this question of how we represent diversity was really different. Uh, we uh, were conditioned to think that uh, the, the aspects that made up our identity were almost folkloric. They were treated in a way that uh, the government was thinking about instituting this idea that everyone should keep something of their identity whilst preventing them at the same time from really entering into the mainstream. And what we've seen now is, and as you speak about this explosive time, you know, with this awareness of uh, movements like Black Lives Matter and uh, incredible movements like in the LGBTQ2S plus um, movements and all sorts of uh, ideas of what representation means and uh, a demand, a need, an urgency to see all different aspects of our society represented. And yet, it wasn't until uh, our son, Arshil, made his first short film, uh, and he chose to, to, to deal with this issue that we're talking about today, that my eyes were opened. It was my eureka moment, if you will. And uh, I began to understand the enormity uh, of what we were missing in terms of representation. So perhaps there was a, uh, there was a, a, a clip right? That yes. Was, yeah. <laughs> well, thanks. Thanks. Uh, thank you, Adam. Um, that was quite the encapsulation of your 35 years in film, bringing us to the present day. Um, and uh, yes, we do want to bring Arshil into the conversation. And before we do that, um, let's turn our attention to the following clip. This is a CTV interview with Arshil around the making of his first film, Absence. A Toronto teenager living with cerebral palsy has just completed a huge thrill starring in a new short film. And the first-time director is none other than the son of Oscar nominee Adam Egoyan. Paul Pauline Chan has the story. Filmmaker Arshil Egoyan first saw Julian Capelli during a musical performance. I can't describe the energy he brought to the set, uh, his willingness to just really bear through long days and a lot was asked of him and he just totally rose to the challenge with a smile. Julian's mom Donna says even she was amazed to see her usually bubbly 19 year old put on a completely different persona during the film Absence. What was the hardest part? <laughs> Trying to be calm. So as you can see Julian does have issues with his body when he gets excited and he had to like the description in a lot of the film was serene like andrew had to be serene the short film focuses on a boy who is left to be raised by his aunt and grandmother it's deeply personal in some ways um i've been dating my girlfriend for five years and her brother is differently abled uh he has downs 
syndrome. And so over the years and knowing him, I wondered how we can come to understand the internal, the internal world of people that don't communicate it in the ways that we're used to. This week marks the annual launch of the Dear Everybody campaign at Holland Bloorview, which Chagoyan says was very influential in his research. And he prefers the term differently abled. It, it puts the responsibility on us to try to understand uh, who that person is. For Julian, that person was an actor for the shooting of absence, but for the future... For whatever methods that Julian used to kind of keep calm during this whole process, we're going to have to harness that a little bit more. Um, so that he can participate in these things that he wants to do. Like maybe one day he could be a politician. Pauline Chan, CTV News. Wow, our shield, that is just, it's so powerful and, and deeply inspiring. Um, congratulations on making this film. Um, let me ask you, what were your expectations when you set out to make this film, Arshiel? And were those expectations confirmed or were you surprised by the experience and what changed for you in the process? Uh, my expectations were very loosely defined. Uh, it's important to remember that I had never made a film, period. So any sense of what it meant to cast authentically versus otherwise, uh, there wasn't any there wasn't any specific thought in terms of how that might be more difficult because it was all new it was all challenging uh and 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 really i mean the way that i i approached it was the same way that i approached every other aspect of the production which was to break it down into steps and understand uh what the needs were the needs of julian uh uh what had to happen what had to be in place for it to be done as properly as possible uh, and really, I was very, very lucky, both because I had the help of both uh, Julian's mom, who you saw in the interview, Donna, who was who was incredible to have on set and uh, and was a really important presence for for Julian. Uh, but I also had this incredible resource behind me in the way of Holland Bloorview, uh, which they went out of their way to make sure that I felt supported in, in all of the pre-production work as far as research, as far as accessing experiences uh, of families. Uh, of, of people who are differently abled, uh, accessing actors who are differently abled. Uh, and they really just, I felt so supported all the way through. So I can't thank them enough. And specifically Christine, who, who I worked with, who I'm very happy to, to be on this panel with, who, who just made it uh, uh, a, a much more approachable process. It sounds like you had a phenomenal experience and uh, we look forward to seeing your film. Um, and uh, you've mentioned Holland Review and Christine, and that's a perfect segue for us to bring Christine into the conversation. Welcome, Christine. Um, well, it sounds like you were a tremendous resource uh, for our shield. Can you tell us um, how is it that Canada's largest children's rehabilitation hospital spearheaded this movement for advocating for representation? Mm -hmm. Thanks, Tenny. Um, at Holland Bloor View, we support kids and youth with disability and their families. And we've been at that for 122 years now. So, um, you know, we've got all kinds of programs and services um, for, for kids and youth, um, you know, whether they were born with a disability or um, have had an accident that led to traumatic brain injuries or uh, spinal cord injuries, sometimes kids who are recovering from complicated surgeries. 
Um, and our overarching purpose at Holland Bloorview is to create the most meaningful and healthy futures for children, youth, and their families. So, you know, it just made sense five years ago when we adjusted our mandate to include social advocacy. We committed to work as hard as we can to end stigma and eliminate bias toward disability because we know what that stigma can do without proper understanding and accessibility. Adults with disability really can face poor outcomes. Um, adults with disability still in 2021 report difficulty accessing healthcare, education, and employment opportunities. People with disabilities are chronically underemployed, and that's just that's got to change. Um, our national movement, which we developed with our kids and youth, explores and uncovers the issues that they face and shines a light on their hopes and, uh, and their dreams and their desire to feel included along with their peers. So our Dear Everybody campaign, especially over the last two years, uh, has taken aim at content producers to work to change what we see in the media landscape. Uh, in print and on screen, whether that's advertising, sports media, film and television, we know that it's really tough to be what you can't see. And with the dramatic lack of authentic disability representation in the media that we consume, kids and youth like my four kids who all have disability, um, they feel othered. Uh, like they don't belong, and that affects their sense of themselves and their aspirations for the future. So really, at Holland Bloorview, we want to change hearts and minds about disability, and more importantly, get people to take action to create a more inclusive, equitable, and accessible society. Thank you, Christine. The, the work you're doing is, is really exceptional, and um, it's so good to, to hear about it, I think, so often. You know, we hear the names of hospitals and rehabilitation centers and don't realize just really the impact that you're having, not just in the services you're giving, but the advocacy work you're doing. And um, I'd like to uh, welcome George. George, finally, you can turn on your mic. Um, <laughs> we have heard some of this outstanding work that Holland Bloorview does, and um, I know that you have had a connection there. Uh, can you tell us how, what that connection is and how they impacted your career? Yeah, um, so I am a previous client of Holland Blurview. I've been with them for over 18 years and they helped shape me into the man that I am today. Um, with every doctor, every individual that I've ever met there, they're, they're a great, uh, great uh, resource to have in my career. Um, and I remembered I, <laughs> I graduated in 2019 and right after um, I got an, an audition from an agent uh, that for the Dear Everybody campaign and I auditioned for it and I ended up getting it. And it was an incredible experience to, to be able to do what I did on that commercial uh, just because I got to be 12 different characters or about there uh, in the commercial and it really and you don't see my chair until the end of the commercial and I really loved the idea and how they kind of put it all together because after I joined Actor Toronto it really made me into the advocate that I am today 
in doing accessibility audits with Actra Toronto, with different casting houses in Toronto. And now it's my mission to eliminate every barrier that we have in the industry because it's just not fair at all. You mentioned barriers, uh, George, and I, I want to delve into that a little bit more deeply. But uh, just before we do that, let's have a look at this commercial where you played several characters, roles, people. Um, let's turn our attention to the video clip. Hi, my name is George. What was your name? My name is George. I'm George. George? Thank you for coming to this casting. Oh, thank you. On the other side? Yeah, perfect. Hit the mark right there. Yeah, uh, let's see what we can do with that. What if I told you it was a minivan? What if I told you? What if I told you? Keep it fresh. Just a little more fun. When you smell good, you feel good. Uh, can you show us the label? Down here more? Uh, you stop there. Your thirst is quenched. Uh, that's kind of exactly what we're looking for. It's a fun shoot. Yeah. yeah, go, 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 go! Yes! Yeah! yeah, just hit the mark. Come a little more forward. Okay, thanks, George. We'll be in touch. Oh, thank you. <laughs> That's terrific, George. Uh, I think I think you could sell anything. Um, all right. So let's pick up the thread again. Um, mm -hmm. You mentioned barriers. Uh, let's talk about those. What are some of those barriers that you referred to? Yeah. Um, so I really find a lot of the barriers to be quite apparent in the film and TV and even theater industry. Um, so I remember growing up, I never really saw myself, well, at all on screen. And um, I kind of kept it hidden that I wanted to be an actor. Like I did do a lot of theater growing up, but I never really thought of myself as being an actor until much later in my high school career, more because of the fact that I just never thought I had a voice at the table. Um, but then later on in my career in high school, I thought, no, I, I want to do it. And I would regret it if I don't even try. So I did. Um, but then I found that the barriers were even at the institution level. So I auditioned for a bunch of theater programs. I ended up graduating from one, clearly. <laughs> um, but uh, there was one theater program in particular uh, that when I went for the audition, I walked into the room or rolled in, whatever. And, um, and I remembered one of the people on the panel before I even opened my mouth or anything, they, they looked at me, they laughed and they were like, and do you expect to get into this program? And I remembered that moment being an 18 year old, actually I, I was not even 18 at the time. Um, I was like, wow, like, am I already getting backlash for wanting to be an actor at that point? And clearly I didn't get into the program, but I ended up getting into a much better program that I'm very happy I got into. Um, but it really became apparent, um, even in the program, that I was literally the only one doing what I was doing in terms at like from like a professional level. And now looking forward into my professional acting career, I find that there are a lot of barriers like casting buildings, um, sets, auditions, actually casting people for um, like roles and whatnot 
And I think that the main problem is the fact that the difference between me and an able-bodied actor is the fact that they don't have a system working against them, and I do. And I will never get to that point in my career unless people actually change their mind and their view around disability and what that actually means in media and TV and film. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the last study that looked at disability on screen um, identified that only 1.6% of all scripted characters in, you know, the 100 biggest movies of the 2019 was the last time this was looked at. Um, only 1.6% had a disability. And on TV, just 2.1% of scripted television characters had disability. Um, And importantly, actors without disabilities played more than 95% of those characters. Um, That's just wrong on so many levels and doesn't represent who Canadians are. So shocking numbers, shocking stories, uh, shocking realities. Uh, some that don't even cross our minds. Um, and yet the perseverance, um, George, Christine, in, is, is really inspiring and your advocacy work is just so motivational. Um, let's, let's turn our attention a little bit now to sort of the, the state of affairs right now today. Um, and uh, Adam, I'm, I'm going to turn that question over to you. What's going on? Again, I mean, hearing this all, I feel, I mean, we are what we see, right? I mean, that's the thing. And as media producers, as as a filmmaker, as someone who's been doing this for 35 years, um, as as I said at the beginning, these are eureka moments for me. I mean, as someone uh, who... Who, who, who was raised in a way where I felt like I was outside, who wanted to become a filmmaker. Um, I did have models, like people like me, uh, uh, who were new to the country, who, who, who were successful. So it was kind of, uh, I never felt what George is talking about. Uh, I never felt that there was a barrier as such. Um, I knew that I had to work really hard, but, but it wasn't something that was, I felt was going to, I was going to be prevented from. So when I hear what Sylvia was saying about what Humber College is, is offering with this new facility, I go, okay, that's the way of the future. Um, and that's what it will allow someone like George or a young actor who's living with a disability to, to feel that there aren't barriers. And, and part of our role is as filmmakers, as producers, as, as people who are involved in the media is to, is to look at these numbers and, and to take them seriously. Like over 20% of us are living with disability. And, you know, disability does not discriminate, right? I mean, I was talking about these, in, you know, this incredible moment with with with, with uh, Black Lives Matter and BIPOC and uh, LGBTQ2S plus, you know, we're, we're aware of all of this, but within all of these groups, there are people who are disabled. And uh, so this is really important to acknowledge. This is uh, why I wanted to talk about this today, because I feel that, yes, there is progress. Look at the Academy Awards this year. We do have... Um, in the best feature documentary category, a film called uh, Crip Camp. And it's a really moving documentary, which talks about justice within the disability movement, the history of that. Um, and so I would urge people to, to watch that, that, that movie. I think it's on Netflix right now. Uh, we have in the best 
feature category, a film called Sound of Metal, which is dealing with a, a, a drummer played by uh, Rez Ahmed, who uh, is becoming deaf and has to encounter uh, that community. And, and many of the actors there are actually from that community. Uh, a Best Supporting Actor nomination is to Paul Ratchie, who is the, who is the, the, the organizer of that group and who himself was raised uh, with, with, with deaf parents. So he is officially uh, a coda, a child of deaf parents, uh, deaf adults. And it just so happens that the film that won the Sundance Film Festival this year is a film called Coda, uh, which is dealing with that issue and which Apple paid $25 million for, uh, which is the highest amount paid for any film bought at Sundance. So, you know, this is all very positive. So we are seeing this, but I, I, I still believe though that uh, in this country, especially, like we're not really aware of like those figures that Christine talked about, like 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 two percent of characters. You know, um, I, I was watching a, a Netflix program the other day, and it's, I was looking at the makeup of, of of the actors. Of course, now that I'm aware of this, and and it's really stark when you think about that, how open we've become in terms of diversity, and how far behind we are in this particular issue of representation. And the arts, I'm aware as an artist, as a, as a media maker, that I, I have a responsibility. And this is why I wanted to have this conversation today, so that we're aware that this is an issue, right? We can't not think about it. And um, we can't listen to those stories of like what, what George is talking about, what, what Christine is talking about, especially at this moment, and not be affected by that emotionally. And and to take actions like 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 we're seeing Humber College is doing. I, I was I, I wasn't aware of that, and I was so thankful for Sylvia to 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 come on as a sponsor, but also to come on with this amazing news. And Arshil, um, what about from where you sit? What what's your take on the current state? Yeah, no, I I think uh, undeniably we are seeing a lot of movement forward. We are seeing a lot of progress uh, in regards to historically marginalized communities, um, I think the important thing to remember and to keep in mind is that when we talk about uh, films in film festivals, uh, historically, we've seen this. We've seen uh, stories about marginalized communities emphasized at film festivals and highlighted and given a lot of attention. Uh, which is great, but but it's important to, to be wary of tokenism as well and to not be under the impression that these films uh, represent the larger trends, the larger landscapes in terms of what's uh, being developed in media. Uh, so so when, when they do emerge, it is important to celebrate them, but to not stop there, to, to, to consider them and to consider replicating them and, and really giving them more space, not just in a festival setting, uh, uh, but, but in a wider setting as well. I also think it's just really important that when, again, when we talk about these films uh, and and how well they do in festivals, uh, as Canadians specifically, it's important that we not mistake trends that are happening south of the border uh, with what our realities are. The fact is that if we want to take pride in this progress, if we want to... Uh, uh, own it, then it's important that we generate that content as well, uh, and not just imagine that we're affiliated with with uh, that movement forward. It it has to come from within our system, within our country, and uh, and we have to choose to want to be a part of that. Yeah, 
so so it's right in our title, isn't it? Today we're we're seeing change in awareness, but it's a work in progress. Um, so taking uh, the larger view uh, as an advocate for change here, what would you say, George, um, are the key things that you know need to be done to remedy this situation? Yeah, um, I think um, it should be quite simple. However, I feel like the way that people kind of go about it sometimes can not be good. But I think that... Um, we just have to look at our world and how people with disabilities are like are like you know we we work i know doctors lawyers people who are in many professions that are disabled and or different differently abled and i think that it's really important to look at what we actually are in terms of our makeup because when you look at media and you look at our film and television, we're, a lot of the time, people with disabilities are looked at as a pitied character. Like we are sick, like we need help, like we need whatever. But I've never been the type to, to be like, like that. I've never been that type of guy. And I think that a lot of, that, a lot of the time too, actors, um, roles that are meant for actors with disabilities are often given to able-bodied actors. And I think that that is really wrong because it, you wouldn't be putting uh, a white actor into blackface. So why would you be doing that, putting an able-bodied actor into a wheelchair for the sake of a role or for crippling up for an Academy Award? It just, it doesn't make sense in my opinion. And it should be a lot more apparent that we need to look at the way that our, our world and our country is. And the fact that I am an everyday guy and that the media does not see me like that, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. We need to see, you know, a broadening of casting calls. Um, you know, we need to see accessible spaces for uh, performers who do happen to have disability to be able to audition um, and not just to check off a box audition but uh, actually to be considered for roles, whether that character uh, you know, includes um, the characteristic of disability or not. Um, you know, one in five people who we see on screen um, should have some form of disability uh, for representing Canadians properly. Um, you know, the work needs to be done to make everything more inclusive from you know, project and character development, to set designs, to the press junkets. Um, there's ways to get it done and there's people um, with resources available to help make it happen. Yeah, and, and I think too, like, you have to actually put people like me in the money-making roles. Like, why can't I be in a Marvel film? Why can't I not be a leading man in a television project or anything like that? Because a lot of the time, you know, you think that you, you might be taking too much of a risk when you do that, but actually the, the reward of it is a lot bigger because you are actually reaching a much broader audience when it comes to your work. Because a lot of the time people are tired of watching the same work being um, recycled over and over again. And I think that we really need to change the way that we tell storylines, have 
people like me involved from like creating stories to like actually starring in them because if we do that it will actually help kind of remedy the situation yeah i mean i i think it's really important to uh, to speak about this in terms of like casting. Okay, so when uh, a project, uh, if I'm directing something, uh, uh, there'll be a breakdown. Uh, that'll go out to casting directors and uh, I will be in a room and, uh, and various actors will come in. And in the same way, at this moment, you know, uh, no one would think twice about looking at a, at a person of color or a person of, of, you know, like who was, you may have not been thinking of, um, we should be at that same point when it comes to w people with uh, disability. We should be able to, 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 to be as open and not have to uh, reimagine the character. You know, it should, it should be fluid. Mm -hmm. And for that to happen, you know, there really needs to be um, a whole new generation of actor like George who can aspire and enter into the profession. And that should be uh, quite as I said, fluid, effortless. But it also means that uh, any writers who are watching this, that as you're imagining your story, you know, that you should be also thinking about that as well. So maybe it's not just on the director and the, and the producer and the casting agent, but it's actually integrated into the story. And uh, as Arshil said, it shouldn't be done in a way that's tokenism or it shouldn't be, you know, the sad character or it, sh it should be any character, again, to reflect the fabric of the society that we're living in. Cool. This is the this is the takeaway from this particular, you know, like we are we are not if, if looking at these figures, like uh, uh, you know, uh, when we're looking at uh, over twenty percent of us living with disability, we're not we're not seeing that on screen. So at this moment, when we are awakened, when we when we're really looking at how our systems have shut out certain uh, uh, individuals. This is a moment of opening, and this is part of what has to be opened up. As I said, you know, we are what we see. And as an artist, you know, I have to feel this. My antenna have to be, has to be open, and as I said, uh, radicalized by this, by this uh, revelation. Yeah. Thank you for that, Adam. It, it leads right into uh, my next question. Uh, so how can the leaders of our society, the political leaders, the intellectual leaders, the business leaders, the artistic leaders, uh, those who can exert influence, uh, how can they help the work uh, that you do, Christine, George, all of you? Yeah, I feel like there needs to be a collective awakening, right? As, as Adam talks about, you know, it's a, it's a revolutionary time in so many ways. Um, and, and disability can't get left out of the revolution. So, um, and it's so important that the film and television industry recognize their part in that and their power to adjust the narrative. Representation in the media is just, it's so important and people from all walks of life deserve to see their stories told on the big and the small screen. Um, such a powerful medium that can either make or break how people feel about themselves and other people around them. Uh, and this matters in advertising too. So leaders in business also have important work to do. Um, one can't say that they embrace diversity without considering disability. Um, remembering that disability does not discriminate. And, uh, um, oh, and sorry, Tenny, but, uh, um, one, one great way to get started is to commit to change. Um, so 
at Holland Bloorview. I mean, people can go to DearEverybody.ca and sign the Dear Everybody Agreement. So what happens when, when you sign the Dear Everybody Agreement, you're committing to change and you unlock kind of a world of resources to help you um, with this work. Um, and we help with things like the use of appropriate and respectful language, um, your casting, character and script development, inclusive advertising, um, it's really the works. Um, and we're really proud of our work and the change that's, that's starting to happen. Yeah. I think, um, we, oh yeah. Right, shall we go to the clip? <laughs> okay. <laughs> Let's look at the clip, which talks a little bit more about Dear, the Dear Everybody campaign. As I've grown up, I haven't seen many people like me in the media. If a group of the community is left out of what we all see in our day-to-day lives in visuals, whether that's in, in ads or TV shows, then they're also left out of our imagination and how we see the world. And that's what contributes to disability stigma. to sign the Dear Everybody Agreement. Their new Dear Everybody campaign, which challenges the advertising and media industries to include more people with disabilities. Filmmaker Arshil Egoyan is one of the latest signatories of the Dear Everybody campaign. They really challenged me to think about casting completely differently, even in roles where the character may not need to be differently abled, but why not? The differences about you, they can be amazing things. On behalf of the Ministry of Health, I am pleased to sign Holland Bloorview's Dear Everybody Agreement. That is what I'm talking about. Very, very powerful. Well, our, our she'll beat me to it, but uh, obviously this is a moment where I'm going to sign on to Dear Everybody as a producer. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm 100% I'm committed to this and I'm proud to sign on. Um, and uh, I think we have some some news also, obviously, from, from Humber College as well, right? That's right. That's right. Humber College has signed on. So they're not just our sponsor, but they're standing behind uh, all that they've talked about. And... Um, Adam, thank you. Well done. There's yeah, I mean, one of our one of our artistic leaders in the country who's taking it forward. And uh, I know Christine has mentioned a few times that any, everyone who signs the agreement will be held to it. Yes. So, okay. <laughs> yeah. No packing down. <laughs> so, I think I, I have a member of the family who's going to be uh, holding you to it pretty specifically. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, this has just been 
such a fascinating and compelling conversation and I'm sure we can go on all yeah. evening and I'm sure everyone would want to listen to us for the rest of the evening um, lockdown uh, however I know that uh, we do have some questions from the audience and I do want to try and get to those in the remaining few minutes um, so let me let me begin with um, okay this is a question from Lottie uh, would you support a requirement for all productions in Canada to be accessible or to have disability slash diversity riders for actors and crew? Definitely. Who wants, <laughs> who wants to take that one on? <laughs> yeah. Well, I feel like I feel like the only way to really make sure that people are held accountable is to have like a legal document attached to it to make sure that people are thinking about it all the time because if we're if we're not keeping people accountable for it then there is no way that people are going to remember to do it because i feel like a lot of people do end up forgetting and unfortunately we are at a point in our world right now where we don't have the luxury to forget we need to really um you know go head on and try to actually tackle the problems that our industry really does have and try to change that. Yeah, and we're we're working on lobbying um, for that um, and working with um, various different producers and uh, media producers association um, to look at that kind of thing, along with, you know, improving access to programs for performers with disability, you know, all of that work um, is happening and uh, it's important stuff. And we need, you know, we need the community too to be behind it and, and demand it. I think certainly on productions where there are actors who are differently able, it's really important that there be uh, frameworks for that and, and, and things that enable everyone to do their job to the best of their capacity. I think, uh, here in, in Canada, I think the unions can be a really important part of that conversation and and uh, and just ensuring that that everyone from top to bottom is on the same page. Yeah, I mean, you know, th these days, you know, you uh, have what's called a safe production, right? Um, so uh, safety uh, has many different meanings, but, uh, you know, one of them is that, you know, uh, uh, People in scenes, for instance, where there is intimacy, that you, that that people should feel that there there's safety in that. You know that people are not exploiting that situation. Um, that there is uh, that there are codes that there are behaviors. You know, George told an incredible story, George, about this one production where um, you know. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, just to give you an idea, I mean, it's a very extreme story, but it, it, it's eye-opening. When I heard it, I, I just felt so ashamed. I mean, maybe. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I, I worked on a production one time where um, they did not, and it was a major one, um, and they called me into work and uh, they completely changed the holding area and everything. And they didn't have a ramp for anything in terms of even like the craft table, anything like that. And then they actually put me, <laughs> after complaining, um, uh, right beside a dumpster um in uh on a in like an outdoor tent that you know i ended up having to wait there for a while before my time before my time to go and film yeah. and uh the day after actor actually came on and um made sure that uh things were 
taken care of because if they weren't, they could get shut down. But it stuff like that, where they completely neglected the fact that they brought me into work and then they completely weren't allowing me to actually do my work properly or even get food. So, uh, or actually have like an area where I can hang out. So I found that to be really quite, uh, yeah. Well, well, Lally, Lally says, it's not a question, but a comment. What a joy to hear directly from George about his journey of strength, perseverance, and creativity in knocking down barriers. Thank you. So, um, a a question, um, let's see here, from Michael. A key tool for building a fair and equitable shared future for those living with disabilities is strong employment equity legislation federally as well as provincially, territorially, municipally, frameworks that are comprehensive, expanded, persons living with disabilities, Indigenous peoples, peoples of colour, women, and to SLGBTQ plus individuals appropriately and consistently disaggregated in their application and implementation, adequately resourced, monitored, audited, and enforced. So as we build back better, in media, culture, and the arts, as well as elsewhere. How can we best realize these critical policy outcomes? Christine, do you want? Mm, yes. <laughs> so you know, it it sounds like a lot, and it is. Um, and and this is part of the work we're doing, right? Trying to break it down, trying to support other people who are already doing this work. I mean, there are amazing. Um, disability advocates who, you know, those are people who who live with disability and they're doing this work. And so we're, you know, we're trying to help. We're trying to empower them, get our, you know, our name behind them um, to to encourage um, all of that important work to continue. Um, But again, it takes it takes all of us to commit to it um, and to expect and demand it. Um, so that all of that important work in policy um, and in government, um, you know, comes together in a way that that really and truly supports all Canadians. I mean, the, the part I love about that question is this uh, build back better. You know, we, we, we yeah. are at a time, obviously, where as a society, we're extraordinarily vulnerable, like more than we've ever been in a way. But it, but this will end and we will build back. And, you know, we have a lot to learn uh, in terms of uh, how our society is structured, who's been disadvantaged uh, by this catastrophe. Um, And as we're doing that, all of these elements are so important to keep in mind because we do have a chance here, a unique situation where we will have to rebuild. And the more we can understand the nature of these revolutionary sort of ideas and that they shouldn't be revolutionary, they are part of our human condition. You know, we all live with these um, realities and they have to be reflected from my profession in terms of what we see, in terms of the images we make, in terms of the images we share, in terms of the stories we dream of telling. Um, this is a question from Shauna and, and this is something that came up in our conversations. Um, and so I'm glad it's being asked. Um, What about people with mental health challenges of all ages, as well as those with dementia and Alzheimer's and other neurological challenges? Mm. So, you know, if we look at how Statistics Canada defines 
uh, a person with a disability. You know, it's somebody whose daily activities are limited according to a prescribed level of difficulty with particular tasks. Um, and then StatsCan will break that down. Um, so when we're talking about the 22% of people, of Canadians with disability, we can, those would include um, people with uh, sensory disability, whether that's, um, you know, vision or hearing, and then there's physical disabilities that affect mobility, uh, dexterity, cognitive disabilities, um, and that would be, you know, learning disability or developmental disability, autism. Um, and then there are pain-related disabilities where people uh, are affected by their pain to a point where uh, they would be considered disabled and um, mental health-related um, uh, um, conditions, uh, including memory um, and memory loss. So, um, you know, um, we're talking about everything here. And, you know, we've, as we spoke about in our conversations leading up to this, um, we can, you know, we can now say that with COVID and its effects on people's bodies and minds, that the numbers of um, people with disabilities globally um, is, is taking a, a tick up. Yeah. I mean, I guess what's being said is that anyone uh, who's living with a disability, who has an aspiration to be in the arts, to be an actor, mm -hmm. you know, to be represented, Anyone who has that dream shouldn't be prevented from fulfilling that dream. It should be available to them. So Absolutely. That's what we're saying, right, mm -hmm. George? So uh, a comment from Ken. Uh, this is a fantastic panel discussion. Well, we'll take that, won't we? Um, <laughs> so important. Why is the industry not writing in more roles for people with disabilities? as a matter of course, rather than always having to focus on people with disabilities. And I think Adam, you, you yeah, touched I, on that I, I, earlier. That's what we're talking about. I mean, I, I, I think this will take time, uh, not that long, but I do, I do think that it just, it should be, uh, uh, it really does start with the writers. You know, it, it starts with the people who are thinking the stories. And again, for all the reasons that George mentioned before, uh, those people with disabilities should not be allotted a certain kind of cliche role or what our shield talked about tokenism or, you know, it should be any role. And, and while that's happening concomitantly, there should be a generation of actors who are stepping up, who are living with disability, who we, we, who we begin to acknowledge, who are on our stages, who are working their way through the ranks and who become, you know, stars. Uh, you know, this, I, I, when I was younger, I mean, we had like, someone like uh, Marley Martin, right? Who, who uh, sorry, is that? Yes, who, who, who was uh, in Children of a Lesser God, you know? And so, so we, 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 there are examples, before, you know, that, uh, that have happened, but, but it's, it's sort of few and far between, right? And, and, and it should just become a part of our fabric, our cultural fabric. Yeah, I mean, I think it's, it's interesting because as, uh... As a writer, uh, as a creator, we we explore what we know. We we we're kind of navigating in the realm of our, of our own experience, uh, and so I think what happens and what has the what what we have the opportunity to do is by creating more content that reflects people who are differently abled, 
we put those realities into our collective consciousness as writers, as artists, so that when we when we are conceiving of of, of worlds, when we are conceiving of of narratives, uh, we have those references more and more because we're seeing them. So it's a self-fulfilling prophecy where the more we generate, uh, the more we feel comfortable imagining, right? And so and yeah. so it's really important that that everything sort of happen at once and and feed into each other. And and I think that's that's uh, the beautiful part of art is that once it's out there, it's accessible to anyone, including other artists. Yeah. And like, and one little thing, like the job of an actor is to be able to play a role. And, you know, if I'm, if I can act, why can I not play a role that has nothing to do with my chair? It should be, it should be so engraved at the point where we end up uh, just having everyday people no matter what where your walk of life came from doing what we do and that is being human the bottom line of art is just being human and we need to be able to do that authentically yeah and communicating that sense of humanity uh in all of its complexity and all its, its variation you know that that's that's the nature of the revolution we're all experiencing right now and uh, really, we're just saying that uh, this is an essential part of that revolution. Yeah. And speaking of time <laughs> and wow. taking time, uh, we are out of time. Um, I have several more questions and I wish you could all see them because they're, they're really urgent and important. And I'm sorry that we cannot get to them. We will try to answer them um, perhaps uh, if you write to us, <laughs> um, or I will pass these on and we'll see if we can connect. Um, but uh, in closing, I just want to extend a very, very sincere thank you to our panelists, Christine, George, Atom, Arshil. Um, just, it's been a joy to work with you and put this together. And uh, we had a lot of fun doing it. Uh, I'm sorry that the audience missed many of our <laughs> memorable and humorous moments. Um, Adam Agoyan is not just a director. He is a, quite an actor as well. Um, <laughs> you'll have to be on the panel next time to see that. A uh, big thank you. A big thank you to Humber uh, College for their support of today's event and for signing the Dear Everybody Agreement. Thank you, that's just um, just a, a huge, um, you know, just puts a boy under us. <laughs> and um, thank you to Antoinette and the Empire Club for this opportunity to open the lens a little wider on this really, really important topic. Um, I think we've all had our eyes and our minds open today I believe the most important ability is the ability to see the world from another person's eyes, the ability to imagine, the ability to perceive, to empathize, to understand, the ability to enlarge one's own point of view and the willingness to urge others to do the same. So, dear everybody, <laughs> let us all individually cultivate that ability in ourselves it won't just change each of us. It's the only way we will change society. And with that, I will turn it back over to Antoinette. Thank you.
Thank you, Tenny. You, you've made my job to deliver the appreciation remarks all that much easier. You've done an amazing job, and I know only too well the amount of effort you put into bringing this to, to the club. We're very lucky to have you on our board. Adam, thank you for sharing your eureka moment with us. I got to tell you, it's like, whoa, I'm sitting here. <laughs> And I'm glad I wasn't on camera the whole time because I got teary-eyed very often. And I'm, as you can see, I'm getting teary-eyed just talking. Arshiel, thank you for bringing that eureka moment to your dad <laughs> like, and to all of us and for all that you're doing. Uh, Christine, like, wow. Like, I, I, I wrote down something you said. Disability can't be left out of the revolution. Wow powerful, powerful words. And George, hold on a sec. You called yourself an ordinary, what did you say? <laughs> I'm an everyday guy? You? No, you are an amazing guy. You, like, wow, your perseverance, your courage, your voice, keep doing what you're doing. You are not an everyday guy. And thank you, Humber College. I mean, just amazing to have the support and see what they're doing. So with that, I'm just gonna tell you about our next event. And we have interesting events all the time at the Empire Club. Our next event is Confronting Anti-Asian Racism in Canada. And we've got um, Minister Mary Ng coming to speak uh, from the Small Business and Export Promotion um, an international trade in conversation with Eileen Park Robertson, who I don't know if you saw her article in the Globe. I think it was in the Globe just a few weeks ago talking about her own personal experience. It will be a fascinating discussion as well. It's on May 17th at noon. All our registrations for these events are free. So please do join us. And again, thank you to our audience for hearing this very important conversation today. So with that, I now adjourn this meeting.